0: Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Women's Leadership Center of Women's Missionary Union, and you are in for a real treat. Dr. Jeff Orge, president of Gateway Seminary, was kind enough to stop by the WMU building in Birmingham so we could have a visit. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted you're with us today.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me. I really appreciate the work you do, and I'm delighted to be able to be on your podcast today. Well,
0: I'm excited about having you. Last night after church, I took my daughter out for dinner. Me and my husband did. Her birthday is today. And I said, Hannah, tell me something you celebrate about being 21, because she turns 22 today. And we thought for the longest time, and there was... Not much to celebrate. Her dog died. She had a wreck. She couldn't walk for a while. She went through a lot of change and transition. And I know that's something that you talk about a great deal. And every time I hear you speak about change and transition, I resonate with what you say. Talk to us about that topic.
1: Well, there's so many things that uh, we could say related to that theme. But let's talk just first of all about what your daughter's lived through in this last year. And that is that. Sometimes uh, change is thrust upon us we don't plan for it. We don't anticipate it. We don't necessarily even want it, but nevertheless, it's thrust upon us. And when that happens, uh, we have to have the resources and the capacity to deal with it in a healthy way. One of the things I write and talk a good bit about is the difference between change and transition. And change is the new set of circumstances we encounter. Are in an organization, the new set of circumstances that are adopted or that are thrust upon us or that are p- put in place by our leaders. But transition is not the new set of circumstances that can be intentionally chosen or just thrust upon us like in the case of your daughter. Transition is the emotional, psychological, and spiritual response we make to the change. And so transition is, if you want to say it this way, the soft issues about dealing with change that's thrust upon us. And so in a case like you're describing, your daughter has had uh, significant changes in this last year, as many of us have had living Absolutely. through the pandemic, uh, dealing with all the changes that have happened in our country, in our culture, politics, all the different aspects of what's going on. These changes come to us or they're thrust upon us. Now, how we respond to those things is what I call transition or transition management. And we really have to work hard at having the spiritual and just personal resources necessary to respond positively in those circumstances.
0: I think you're absolutely right. What, what are some helps that you can give us to help us manage the changes that are thrust upon us? Because you're right, all of us have, have hit a tsunami of sorts of changes that have come our way.
1: Well, the first thing to understand is that when change is thrust upon us, or when change happens to us, or even when we choose uh, significant change, like for example, when an organization or a church decides to do something differently or to uh, to go a new direction. One of the first and most important things to recognize is that all change brings with it a sense of loss. When any time a change happens, someone's losing something. Whether you're losing position or opportunity, whether you're losing uh, emotional stability or health, everyone loses something. Now, the first sense of loss that we feel is not necessarily the reality of the loss we're going to experience. In other words, once we have time to adjust or accommodate or think through what we're experiencing, we may, may realize, well, it's not quite as bad as we first assumed, but nevertheless, the losses are real and they do mount up. Like, for example, back again to your daughter in that illustration, you know, losing a pet, that's that's a loss. Uh, losing health, that's a loss. Losing an automobile, uh, that's a loss. And even though you say, well, yes, but some of these things can be replaced and these things can be uh, repaired, yeah, certainly so. The fact that recovery is possible doesn't mean there wasn't an initial sense of real loss that was put into it.
0: I would agree. And and I've also seen loss kind of has a stacking effect. and. When you hit loss upon loss upon loss upon loss, it takes a toll.
1: Yeah, and let's talk just for a minute about what that looks like in a leadership context because, you know, you and I are both leaders of organizations, and one of the things that we need to understand is that this loss upon loss that you've just described often affects the way people in our organizations are processing a loss or a change in the organization or in the church. For example... You may, as a pastor, for example, or a church leader, you may propose a certain kind of change in your congregation, which is going to result in some upheaval and some disju- uh, some disjointed time of real readjustment and change. But what you don't realize is that the people that you're asking to make this change at church are also going through empty nest at home. They've lost a child who's gone off to college for the first time. They lost because they didn't get the promotion they were hoping for at work. They lost because they didn't get the salary increase they had Mm -hmm. been promised because the, the economy didn't support that in their company. So they may have lost in relationship. They may have lost in their work situation. They may have lost an opportunity. They may have had a health setback, not necessarily cancer or something like that. But I just talked to a person recently who was really struggling because He had always been a pretty avid person in terms of working out and running. And now his knees have reached a point where he can't do that any longer. And he's feeling like, well, what do I do? I mean, I can't do this thing I enjoy. I can't stay in good shape. So you're right. There's all these losses that are mounting up. And then that person comes to work and our church and finds out, oh, we're making a change here. And then as a leader, we say, why are they reacting so negatively to this change? Well, it's because they brought with them a whole mountain of losses that have been mounting up in their lives before they came to work that day or came to church that Sunday. So you're exactly <laughs> right. just the tipping point. Exactly. You're exactly right. And leaders have to be aware of this. Now, let me go on and say that th- this does not mean that leaders don't initiate change or we don't bring about change when it's required. We have to do that. But we do it with a sense that this is having a greater impact than perhaps I would have anticipated because of all the other things going on in the lives of people.
0: And I would say in the last year... It's probably even more so.
1: No question about it. This last year has been an unprecedented year of change being thrust upon us. The pandemic, of course, is the obvious one, but there's also the change that's come because of the pandemic in work styles, work relationships, a sense of fulfillment and security, in some cases, financial instability and loss. And then on top of all of that, there's been a lot of other things in our culture, political upheaval, and all that has gone along with that, and then racial tensions have been higher, and then other kinds of disruption that's gone on in terms of things like social media disruption, people losing rights to speak, those kinds of things. All this stuff's just been mounting up on us, and uh, it can be overwhelming when people are trying to deal with that much change and that much loss all at once.
0: I see people, especially on social media, people that are great friends at each other's throats. I'm like, wow, you guys have been friends for 100 years.
1: That's a good observation. One of the things that, if I could walk this out just a bit, if change produces a sense of loss, then loss always brings with it a grieving process where people have to work through the loss. And they do that with what we typically describe as a grief or grief process. Mm-hmm. And most people know that grief processing involves shock and anger, denial, bargaining, exploration, adjustment. There may be some other steps in there or some other phases or stages in there, but those are the kind of the the main ones that psychologists usually talk about. Well, what we're seeing right now is a lot of anger. Where's that anger coming from? It's coming from a sense of loss. People feel like they're losing political power. They're losing cultural influence. They're losing economic stability or economic security. People feel like that they're losing spiritually because their values are being threatened. And so all of these losses mount up, and one of the reactions that people make is anger. And learning to address that, deal with it, confront it, manage it, that's a big part of what it means to lead organizations today.
0: Well, how do we as leaders help people move back to some semblance of equilibrium
1: Well, I I really think we have a, a couple of resources that are distinctly available to us as Christian leaders. The first one is pastoral care. And I use that phrase more broadly than just what a pastor does for people. I mean the pastoral care that people need and that we can provide people in the sense of giving them emotional, psychological, and even spiritual support as they go through this Anger and difficulty that they're experiencing. So, one step is pastoral care. But the second part, which is equally important, and that is disciple making. This is not an adequate response. It's not a necessarily Christian response. It's not an ultimate response. And so, while we extend pastoral care and say, I understand you're angry, let's talk about why. Let's look at some spiritual resources from the Word of God that may help to address the issues that are threatening you. And let's see if we can come to a better place of response by growing spiritually and making a better response. That's growing spiritually. Isn't that what discipleship is about, helping people to grow? So I advocate a a two-pronged approach for dealing with people who are... Going through change, experiencing transition, and demonstrating that by behaving with a grieving process through their loss. How do you respond? Pastoral care and disciple making. It's not one or the other, it's both. And each one of these opportunities really creates a real opportunity for helping people in both areas where we can care for them and help them to grow.
0: I know that's what we need to do, but man, it takes a lot of courage to hold up a mirror to someone and say, hey, Let's think about what you said and how you acted.
1: It really does, and this is a time in our culture where, uh, and in not just our culture, but in our churches where courageous leadership is needed to be able to stand strong and say, this is your first response, but it's not your last or your best response. Let's look into the Word of God. Let's consider what it has to say about our lives and about our situation, and let's choose some better responses. And one of the challenges right now is Christian leaders can't get caught up in this on the negative side. We can't get caught up in demonstrating anger, being uh, frustrated in public, attacking people a- a- as a reaction to what we're going through. we got to rise above that and get our own pastoral care and discipleship in order so that we can then provide ministry to others.
0: I, I would agree with you yeah. wholeheartedly. Any other suggestions you would make to help us manage change and transition in light of today's culture?
1: Well, I think that one of the distinctions I would go back to that I made a little earlier in the podcast is that there is a difference between change that's thrust upon us and change that we choose as organizational leaders or in an organization. And I think it's important to recognize that both of those are are going on all the time. However, right now, it does seem like we're in a season where more is being thrust upon us than we're choosing. And so I think we have to simply understand that all this that's coming at us is really out of our control in terms of what's going on around us and how it's impacting us. What is in our control is how we respond to it. And that's where we have to double our efforts at pastoral care and disciple-making in this context because we can't say well this is unfair it needs to go away i'm sure it'll be better someday it's like no that's just wishful thinking we gotta deal with what is reality right now and right now uh, we're going through a profound time when we are having a lot pushed on us that we didn't really ask for and that we maybe don't deserve but nevertheless it's the world we're living in and we have to find the spiritual resources and the practical resources to help people you know, deal with these kinds of things. And frankly, just to be blunt with you, I think we're being challenged a bit on whether we find the sufficiency of the gospel to be adequate for us and the sufficiency of our spiritual resources to be adequate. And some of what we're seeing right now in the Christian community is our past level of discipleship and growth is being stressed and tested And it's being found inadequate. Now, we got to grow up a little bit more and find a little bit more strength and a little bit more confidence and capacity to trust God during these situations.
0: I find that in today's culture, leadership is nearly impossible because you have to visit with those that you're trying to lead and help them. But when so much is against you, exactly what you're saying, so much is thrust upon you or by your own choosing, we as leaders need to be in check
1: yes I I don't want to uh disagree with my podcast host but you said nearly impossible I'd give you that much but I think right now is actually a remarkable opportunity for leadership and that is it's our opportunity to step forward and say the gospel still works our spiritual resources are adequate The lethargy of the American church is being tried and tested significantly right now, and it's time for us as leaders to chart new directions, call people to a new standard, and to move people forward even in this context. So I agree it's nearly impossible, but I'm not willing to say this is a time when leadership can't be exerted. I think it's a time when we have really remarkable opportunity to lead, and it's hard. I I don't discount that, but nevertheless, we can do it.
0: What are you seeing as some good outcomes from this season?
1: Well, I actually did a presentation not long ago called Pandemic Positives, (laughs) and I was challenged by someone to come up with some things, and, and and I did. And I think there's two or three that stand out. First of all, the pandemic has revealed the American church particularly is far too dependent on attraction models of evangelism. Evangelism has essentially been reduced in large part in the American church to come and hear my preacher on Sunday, we have a good church. Well, that's not evangelism. Nothing wrong with inviting someone to hear your pastor and come to your church. But we've moved far away from training people in personal witnessing and deploying them into their job places and into their communities and onto their ball fields and other recreational sites in their community and saying, wherever you go, share the gospel. And when the attraction uh, model was taken away from us by no public worship services Mm -hmm. for months and months and months, a lot of churches were, what do we do now? Well, What we do now is discover the biblical and New Testament method of evangelism, which was one Christian telling a non-Christian how to be saved and doing that in a personal kind of way. I think this is one real strong positive from the pandemic and that it's showing us how overly dependent we were on attraction models and how much more we need to be working on training and implementation and deployment models for evangelism.
0: Learning how to be the church.
1: Exactly. Another positive I think coming out of the pandemic is... uh, new uses of technology. Uh, I'm, I'm a member of a church that has, you know, a number of senior adults, and uh, I'm getting there myself these days. So my wife is in a, a class with a number of older women. And the first week they had Zoom Bible study, it was, uh, it was comical, okay? <laughs> my, my wife got off the call and came in and said, I, oh, my gosh, I don't know about this. She said there were 17 women on the call, and for most of the first half of it, They were just struggling to figure out what to do. And I thought, well, yeah, oh my. Well, by the third week, these women had mastered Zoom, and now they are just rocking it on Zoom with this Bible study every week. It's unbelievable how they've mastered using this technology, and they're going into their small groups, and they're having their discussions, and they're posting things for other people to see. It's great. Our uh, church has had for years a Monday night prayer meeting. Pastor leads it. He's been the pastor of this church for 20 years, so it's a big thing for him on this Monday night prayer meeting. He personally invests time in it. Typically, a church of about 800 on a Sunday morning would have maybe 20 to 30 come for Monday night prayer. Well, in the pandemic, he moved that to a Zoom prayer meeting. And he told me one day recently, he said, I had 142 or I think 142, 145 people on the Zoom call for the prayer meeting. And he said, and we spent the full hour we had a short devotional, we went into small groups, we prayed, we came back in the large group, we prayed, we spent an hour in focused prayer. And he said, Jeff, when the pandemic's over, we're not going back to a Monday night prayer meeting. We're gonna stay with a Zoom prayer meeting because I realize I have a lot of people who can't drive at night, who don't wanna make the commute in Los Angeles, traffic Mm -hmm. twice after they've just done it on Sunday, who have kids at home, can't get out again in the evening. A lot of reasons why people can't come to church on Monday night, but they wanna pray. And he said the technology has opened up whole new vistas of how we can do prayer meeting in our church and how we can involve a lot more people in prayer. And so I thought, here's two examples. Yes, I think the church needs to go back to worship services and Bible studies and prayer meetings where we were doing these things in person. I'm all for that, of course. But the technology has been proven effective to do things we never dreamed of before. So another pandemic positive is going to be just the more extensive use and the more careful use and i think the more strategic use of technology going forward so that's a couple of examples i i think the pandemics had a lot of negatives don't get me wrong but out of it are going to come some positives i'll give you one more and this is like at the seminary one of the questions we're asking is what did the pandemic eliminate that doesn't need to come back in other words we've taken a hard look at some of the things we were doing pre-pandemic we've realized We've been without them for about a year now in California, and we've realized we don't really need to bring those things back. They really weren't that productive. Now, some things do need to come back, but the pandemic has forced us to take the opportunity to make some fresh evaluations, if you will. And we're saying, you know, we're going to be more efficient and a little leaner when we come back because we're just not going to do everything we were doing before. Because some of it, quite honestly, has proven we didn't miss it. And I think churches are going to do the same thing. You know, churches are busy places, a lot of activity. How much productivity? Well, the pandemic has brought a lot of that to a halt. And now pastors have the privilege and church leaders have the privilege of saying, hey, wait a second, before we bring everything back, let's ask some hard questions. What really needs to come back?
0: I would agree. We are facing that same thing here. Mm -hmm. And it's really enabling us to focus on what's important. We make disciples of Jesus who live on mission. So let's get laser focused on that. That's right. And other things, we do a lot of good things, but are they the best things when measured against our mission?
1: That's brilliant that you're doing that. And I couldn't say it any better. You measure against the mission. And when you do that, you make better choices about what you're investing your time and your money in. And one of the hardest things, you know, I jokingly say, one of the Easiest things to do in a Baptist church is to start something new. One of the hardest things is to end that same something when it doesn't work anymore.
0: Absolutely. So, this
1: has given us the opportunity to say, We're not doing that anymore. Now, should we ever go back to that? You know, and let's underscore there are some things that need to come back. I'll give you one example missions education in churches has suffered no doubt during the pandemic because we have a harder time getting together. Children are more limited in what they can do. Young people can't go on mission trips. I get all that. But those things have to come back because that's the long-term process by which we're going to produce the missionaries we need to staff the mission field of the future for Southern Baptist. So yes, some things went away because the pandemic took them away Mm -hmm. some things need to come back i'm not talking about core essential functions like that i'm talking about a lot of the frivolous activity that frankly churches get caught up in that now they're having a chance to say do we really need one more fellowship meal do we really need you know a third bible study that people are coming to every week no we really don't need some of these things what we really need is to stay focused on the core of what really makes a difference and get back to that
0: and right now i feel like people are more forgiving So this is a great time to examine and to move some stuff away, because people are forgiving right now.
1: You know, a number of years ago, we had a church closet, about 10 by 10 room. It was jammed from floor to ceiling with all this junk. And anytime anyone wanted to throw anything away, someone would say, well, we might need that for vacation Bible school. Well, nobody was ever going to use any of this stuff. It was just a closet full of junk. Our church was in a a place that had a flood. And our church building had about three inches of water in it. I shouldn't confess this on the podcast that lots of people will listen to, but we went in that closet and we threw everything in that closet away. Everything. Now, it only had water up three inches, but we threw it everything away. Later, people said, what happened to that stuff in that closet? And we said, flood got it. And people said, oh, of course, no problem. They were very forgiving because the flood got it. Well, no one ever missed anything out of that closet. We got the room back. We could actually use it productively. It was great. The same thing's true about the pandemic. Well, why'd that go away? Well, the pandemic got it. Oh, yeah, we understand. We understand. So, yes. Don't waste this crisis. Use it as an opportunity to really be a good evaluator of what needs to come back.
0: And that might be a good way to end this podcast. It's time to clean out our clauses. Boy, that's
1: the truth. And we did do that. And it was long enough ago I can tell that story now. But yeah, the flood got it. That was our excuse for getting rid of a bunch of stuff that just didn't really matter and really had nothing to do with our church going forward. All
0: right. So you've heard it from Dr. Jeff Orge himself clean your closets out, and tell people the pandemic got it. That's right. (laughs) Brother Jeff, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. Anytime I'm around you and hear you speak, you give me nuggets of wisdom and I take courage from what you share. So I couldn't be more grateful that you would spend a few minutes with me this afternoon.
1: Well, I'm thankful to do that. And I want to say that Uh, Recently, Dr. Ronnie Floyd has rolled out some strategic goals for Southern Baptists. And the first one is that we increase our missionary count by 500 uh, to get to 4,200 international missionaries, Mm -hmm. fully funded on the field, full-time, fully funded missionaries. Women's Missionary Union is the catalyst for making that happen in the long term. And I want you guys to keep working hard at doing everything you can to keep promoting the work of Southern Baptist missions and missionaries. So thank you for what you do and keep it up.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of On the Journey Conversations. I echo what Dr. Jeff Orge says. If we're going to increase our mission force by a net gain of 500 for a total of 4,200 fully funded international missionaries by 2025, missions discipleship is critical. For just seven cents a day, you can subscribe to Missions Mosaic to be aware of God's work in the world through our missionaries. Just visit WMUStore.com. If you already received Missions Mosaic, get a subscription for a friend. I hope you have a blessed week. We'll see you next time.